Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Hi friends, it's Diane here, and I have a great expert for us today. We're going to talk about how perseverance helps you overcome obstacles in your life. Because we all have obstacles, and all of us want to have a certain level of perseverance. And today I have with us Andy Blair, who I've known for many years. And I've watched him have this vision for his life and have to really change a lot of things and deal with a lot of obstacles to actually pull it off. And Andy's multi-talented and he's just a great man in so many levels. So I asked him to come on the show to talk to us today about how you can turn those obstacles into stepping stones by having perseverance. So welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Appreciate this. Oh, this, I'm so excited that you said yes, because I texted you out of nowhere. Hey, do you want to be on the show? Because right. when, I, when I think of having hope moving forward and somebody who's got a vision inside and maybe it's stuck for a while or they don't know what to do, you're one of the first people I think of, of somebody who's kept on going no matter what the world threw at them in order to fulfill the mission, which you're in the middle of living right now with even That's more right. vision opening right in front of you, right? That's right. So let's set the stage a little bit. Share with people a little bit about who Andy is, like a little bit about your background, kind of where you come from. What's the flavor of the man? I know it's a cliff note version, but just the, begin the beginnings. Well, when you say beginnings, how, how far beginnings do you want me to go? Um, Kentucky, how okay. your family life was like, the kind okay. of connection you had in the world, and then moving forward from there. How, you, right. met your, how you met your beautiful wife, those okay. kinds of things. So uh, I, I was raised in the great state of Kentucky, and... Um, you know, I would consider it a pretty normal childhood. I, uh, my parents were divorced when I was, I believe five. And, uh, my father was an alcoholic. And, um, so my mother left him, um, growing up was, was cool. I mean, I, I, um, other than the, the issues with my dad, which, um, were pretty much taken away from me at that point. I have a stepfather who's been my stepdad for, gosh, almost 50 years now, 45, 46 years. And, uh, he's my favorite human being on the planet. And I'm so blessed to have him in my life. Uh, also had loving grandparents where I grew up. And so I, I was, um, I was, you know, I guess you'd say a popular kid. I was an athlete, um, uh, was involved in music. Uh, you know, I, I, I went to the, I was nominated to go to the air force Academy, uh, to play basketball. And, uh, quickly decided that that was not my idea of college and uh, got released there went to so then so then this was the first time in my life when I really felt that calling on my life and then I said okay well I'm going to go to this this Christian school and I did that for a year and I played basketball there and uh, 
that was so boring. And so I transferred to a state university and uh, I was going to play basketball there. And I went to a fraternity rush party and that was the end of my basketball career. So great friends. I have great friends. Um, you know, I lived a typical college life. Um, but you know, even back then, everybody else was laying out all night, whatever. I got up and went to class every day just because I had, I mean, that's just what I did. I, I had a goal and, and I had to, I had to see that. So, um, how I got out of college with over a 3.0, I don't know. Just by going to class is all I can tell you. And the pity, I guess, that the professors had on me. But um, I fell in love very uh, – I had a marketing class and fell in love with selling. And um, my stepfather told me one time, son, you can make a lot more money with your mouth than you can with your hands. And uh, so I just fell in love with that. Um, started a little sales career. Uh, met my wife. She was one of those, she was spraying people in the mall with perfume. Like when you walk in and you know, she chased me down Now she would say she didn't chase me down, but she did. And, uh, tried to get me to try whatever it was that she was selling. And, uh, so that's how we met. And, uh, and so I, I funny part of the story is I told her, I had my little brother who was, who's eight years younger than me with me and I was trying to impress him. So I told my wife, Hey, if you ever want to go out, here's my phone number, you call me. And so she did. Now, now here's the funny part of that. One is she'll say that's the last time she ever had to do that. But when, um, when she did call me, um, she should have known this was kind of a sign she came, she called me like a week later and I and said, let's, let's go have, let's go have some drinks or whatever. And she said, okay. And I said, well, would you pick me up? And she said, that's weird. Why would I pick you up? Well, it's because I'd gotten a DUI the night that I met her. So, so should have been assigned to her. Maybe there was an issue. So that's how our relationship started. And, um, so I could go on from there. Or we can stop there and, and let you ask questions. So that sounds fine, however you want to do it. But I laugh because you're right. It should have been a sign from there. Right. And it's, it's like our autobiography gives us all these little hints along the way of kind of mm -hmm. where we're headed if only we're paying attention. Right. You know? And, and so I think that's really fascinating. And so you went to college and then you had a, a successful sales career right. for long, quite some time. Um, that's where you were. That's the part of the world you were in when I met you. You know, right. you were you're very well known in the sales world. And so, what was that like? Um, using your mouth more than your hands. I love that okay. sentence. And uh, and how how did that fulfill you? Did you have difficulty with overthinking? How how was that on the internal landscape? Um, I loved it. It, it was a um, it was a I'm very competitive. And so it was, it was, a, it was an us versus them. Now I wasn't competitive with my customer, but I was competitive with my competitors. So I always tried to make sure I never lost a deal to a competitor. So, um, and I did that, um, through asking questions. Integrity was a big part. If I told you I was going to do something, I did it. Um, and so, um, I, but I do want to go back to the story just for a minute because another indicator would be through my sales career, um, 
this is people get a kick out of this. We left Kentucky and I took a sales job in Chattanooga. And so then through a series of promotions, this is how we ended up where we ended up. So we went from Chattanooga to St. Augustine, Florida, to Charleston, South Carolina, to Nashville, Tennessee, to Indianapolis, Indiana, to Atlanta, to Texas, which is where I kind of uh, ended up in a lot of trouble. And then to Florida where we've been off and on with a little stint in Mississippi for a few years, but we've been in Florida for the past 13, 14 years other than three years we spent in Mississippi. So, um, so the thing is, is I, there I was, I mean, I, yeah, I was performing and I was doing well and I was making tons of money, but um, my lifestyle was not really what it should have been. Um, so I, I thought every time I move, Hey, I'll just, we'll move. I'll start over, find a new group of friends, whatever, whatever. And next thing you know, there I am. That's the problem. Everywhere we went there, I was, and uh, I still wasn't ready to do what I needed to do to change my life and to, uh, to, to follow the call that I feel like was on my life. And so when doing all this moving all, I'm sitting here recalling all of that and, and listening to you and saying, it's like you allow yourself to put your calling aside and be a slave to the, the money machine, the sales, like you turned into a slave to all of what, all that byproduct, all the fame, oh. all of this, all of that, all the success, all the perceptual stuff that was really just a sham in the end, but it didn't feel like it when you were doing it. You were just chasing this thing oh like a slave. That, that's a, that, that, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody put it quite that well. It, it was a, you know, you just, you're climbing this imaginary ladder and every time you get to a certain point, you're going to bump into somebody and they're not going to want you to climb over them. And so they're going to knock you back down the ladder. And so, um, but the, man, the money and the cars and the houses and all that, it's, it is, um, it's, I look back on that and think how, how warped our society is about what's important in this life and, uh, the things that we choose to spend our time on, because I literally would work from the moment my head hit the floor, my, my feet hit the floor until I just, well, most of the time just passed out at night. But, um, and it was, it was all for, I mean, for nothing. I mean, I, I figured out that nobody really cared about me. All they cared about was the numbers. That was it. I was just, I was just a pawn in the game. Right. So you were a pawn in that bigger game. And, and then you actually like basically turned over all of your well-being and everything to this system right. that you could excel in because you have that gift. Right. And yet that very gift was, it was like it was betraying you. It was turning its back on you in, in a weird way because you were doing what the society wanted you to do. Right. You know, and. It, it was one of those things where, yeah, if somebody says you can't do something. Well, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. So you can't go, you, there's no way you'll ever sell this deal. You'll never get them to buy anything. You'll, you know, da, 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 da. And so that's what I did. And so, um, I think that goes along kind of with our topic. I, I, you know, a lot of people said, you'll never, you'll never, and I'll say, Oh, but I will. Yes. So <laughs> yes, so, I will. So interestingly, like your ability to persevere, and keep on going and prove all the naysayers wrong 
was the demise of this other thing, but yet it was the bigger picture of the beauty of where you're landing now. And exactly. so it's just, it's the same skill turned in a different direction, tweaked a little bit that actually is bringing you great success now and following your heart's desire and following your vision and your calling and being unwilling to negotiate any longer with the outside forces. That's right. That's right. You know, so it's the same skill set. So let me ask you, about, because I'm so excited to talk about the rest of it, but I'm curious about if when you're wrapped up in all this corporate stuff, did you ever have any difficulty with um, other people outside that setting not understanding you or... Or like people go like, what are you doing? Or was it just totally reinforced because like you're a male and you're successful? Like how, how was that experience with people outside of, of the company? Um, I didn't, I, well, I can't really tell you because I, I didn't listen to them. But, um, but you know, my, my daughters suffered, from, you know, they were young, but they still suffered because I wasn't there um, physically uh, or emotionally. I mean, even when I was there, I wasn't there. I was working. Um, you know, of course, the, my wife liked the money, but I think I think there were times, most times, maybe she would have traded that just to have me around. Um, my parents had no understanding. I, I, so I, I would guess the people in my life, if you didn't understand it and you didn't want what I wanted, I really didn't have time for you. So um, you were just, again, I, again, I, I treated you as a pawn in my game because my game was to get to the top. And so um, if you had no patience for that or no understanding, then in my mind, you were an idiot. So mm, that's powerful. So what, tell us a little bit about the, um, the defining moment that shifted that world from that mm. world to saying, hold on, hold on a second. Okay. What was that defining moment? Um, okay, so I, I would say that, so I, I had um, come off one of the, the most amazing things that the corporate people said had ever been done, and that was we had been hit by Hurricane Katrina, uh, and, and we ended up making our sales number anyway because I somehow talked my sales team into uh, even though 50% of our business washed away that day, I still somehow uh, motivated and, and convinced my sales team that we still had to make our number. And our motto was hurricanes don't count. So our, our year ended at the end of May. And so we, we accomplished this big feat, uh, all of which I thought at the time was all because of my brilliance. And, uh, and so I went on a celebration tour, kind of like a rock tour. And uh, I really don't have any recollection of the months of June and July of 2006. I just went around like, I like the Pope, you know, waving, thinking, you know, people were telling me how great I was and blah, blah, blah. And so then in August of 2006, I, in a, in a period of about two weeks, this is what happened. My mother I'd gone up to, um, my mother still lives in Kentucky and I'd gone to Kentucky or Cincinnati to win the big award where I was going to be recognized as big cheese. And, uh, you know, I, I, I showed my, showed my butt a little bit and, um, she told me that she loved me, but that she didn't like me and that, um, 
was had it not been for my daughters that she really she didn't know who I was like I just I, I was not who she raised and so that didn't affect me too much because she obviously didn't know who I was and uh and so then um, about a week later I got back and I'm sitting in my office and uh and HR called me and so um, she said, look, we need to talk to you at some point. And I said, well, this is a Friday afternoon. I'm like, well, now's good. Cause I'm busy. And, uh, so they, they said there was an investigation into my behavior at a, at a, when I was on vacation, there was a drinking related incident with somebody that worked for me. And thank God my wife was there. And so this was a person, this was a guy that I'd had to fire. And of course he's, trying to throw up everything. Now, w- did I have any business drinking that much? Was I out of control? Absolutely. Um, but the allegations were false. And so had she not been there, that would have been the end of it. So, so they told me they were going to suspend me, uh, pending this investigation. And I thought, well, how are you going to run a $4 billion company without me? Now I'm only managing at that point, 15 to 20 million of it. So this is how, this is how warped my thinking was. This is how, this is how they had me. And so um, I ended up going, I've ended up being okay with that because there was a concert that night, Dave Matthews concert, and we were going with our best friends. And uh, I thought, well, shoot, man, since I, since I can't work, I, I've been suspended. I'll just go home and start, start getting ready for the concert. Concert goes on. I do my thing. And then um, we go back to our friend's house and Becky, my wife has had all she can stand to me that night. And so out of the blue, my best friend's wife says to me, I, I, I don't know why or what, but she goes, you know, we met you three or four years ago when you first moved to Texas and you were this nice guy and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, you have become a complete monster. Um, I know what you're doing. I know you're, you know, you're, you're running around on your wife and uh, you're just, you're not the person that, that, that we fell in love with. And she goes, I don't want you hanging around with my husband anymore. So I, I thought, okay, well, well, and so in addition to that, my, my marriage was just about over. Uh, all of this stuff was getting ready to come out. So in those two weeks, my mother said she didn't want to be around me. My job, which was my total identity had been taken away. And then you know, the marriage was falling apart, which didn't bother me at all at the time. But then the, uh, the fact that my best friend's wife said, you can't hang out with him anymore. I mean, I had nothing. I had nowhere to go. So for that first time, I thought that maybe there's something to this that people say, Andy, you have a problem. You know, you drink too much for 20 years. I've been hearing that, but, um, that's the first time I heard it was on that Friday night. And so then uh, on that Sunday, we went to a church and um, I heard uh, there was a group called Leland, L-E-L-A-N-D, and they, they sang a song called Carried to the Table. And I sat and wept for an hour. And we, so then we went to the second service so I could sit and cry again for an hour. And uh, it's, it's a story about how uh, David had made a promise to his friend that to take care of his sons. And, and Mephibosheth was crippled and lame. And so he had to be carried to the King's table, even though Mephibosheth felt like he wasn't worthy, that he didn't deserve it. And, uh, and so that song 
broke me completely in half uh, called Carrie to the Table. And um, I made the decision that Sunday that I was going to seek help. And so that was the beginning of the journey to um, finally surrender. Well, not complete surrender at that point. I finally surrendered to at least looking at what I was supposed to be doing with my life. Right. So that was, that was the defining decision. And yet, even when there's those decisions and you see it and we all, we all have those moments, I think there's then, then is where the rubber meets the road of now, how are we going to walk out that road? Right. How are we going to keep on going and not turn back? Because it would have been easy to be seduced by the lure that was previously there and say, well, I'm just not going to do some of these behaviors, but I'm going right. to still live that life. I'm going to dance on both sides of the fence, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so did you have any time where you had that kind of distraction happen? And if so, how did you keep yourself kind of focused toward where you were going? What are some things you did to keep making it through that the obstacles that would jump in? Okay. Well, that's a great question. So, so when I made the decision to seek help and I, I remember getting on the airplane in Houston to fly to Florida to go to rehab, I said to God, God, if you will relieve this from me, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And I always joke and tell people, I didn't know what that was going to cost me, but I meant it. And, um, mm-hmm. I just didn't know, where, where that was going to take me or whatever. So, um, anyway, got, you know, got through rehab should have, should have been fired. Actually got a promotion. They moved me to Florida. It's crazy, crazy God stuff. Sold my house in 30 days. So I get to Florida and I start, I get right into church. Um, and I have a pastor that kind of takes me under his wing and he's like, man, you, you really got what it takes to be in the ministry. I'm like, so, so the first question I ask is, okay, you're right. That's what I want to do. I feel like God put that on me a long time ago, but how much does that pay? And so he told me what it paid and I went, no, you got this all wrong, pal. That's never going to happen. Uh, so that was the beginning of God right sizing my life. And so uh, through a series of whatever this, my story, um, I, I got to a place where uh, through different people speaking into my life, through different trips that I went on, through different service opportunities, I finally said, okay, God, I, I, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it, whatever it is you want me to do. And so God right-sized me through several phases of that, um, so much so that I, I went from the job that I had to not managing people, just a sales job, so that I didn't have that stress, to then um, actually going to work for uh, a, a recovery center for a while to then saying, okay, God, because I tried to pacify God with that um, saying, okay, well, I'm just going to give back. Well, I didn't do it. And so then I actually found myself uh, painting houses just to, just to feed my family while I pursued uh, my um, ordination and, and credentialing for ministry. So, um, and I'm getting to a point on this. So there was, so through all that, no, no real distractions. God was like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Other than oh, how am I going to pay my rent and how am I going to put kid, food in my kid's mouth? Uh, but I never wavered. I mean, I, I, you know, 
uh, God, there's something in the, in the AA literature that says God is everything or he's nothing. And I, I, I cling to that um, because I believe he's everything. So I'm not a worrier. So, um, so right before I was just getting ready to give up on this ministry thing. And, um, this, this opportunity presented itself in Mississippi of all places. Um, great people there, but at the same time, this is how the world works. Um, a, a headhunter that I had worked with and I'd hired years ago to, to find me people call me and he goes, Andy, man, I have the greatest opportunity for you to get back in the game. Like this is, this has you all over it. So, so I start walking down the path with him thinking, okay, God, well, maybe you want me to get back into sales. I'm thinking, boy, I could really use the money. And so, but then I'm walking down this road too with this little church of about 35 people in Mississippi. And so um, simultaneously I'm going thinking, okay, God, I'm just going to go where you want me to go. Well, <laughs> so this goes on. Um, and, and so anyway, I ended up getting offered the job with uh, the company, the headhunter went. Now this was a $175,000 a year salary plus bonuses, commissions, benefits, the whole deal. About two days before I got offered the job in Mississippi, which was somewhere around $50,000 a year with no benefits and no nothing. So, what, what was I going to do? I knew in my heart that if I followed the money, I'm not going to be happy. And, but, and then I knew if I, if I went to Mississippi, it's going to upset everybody. So what did I do? I asked my 14 year old daughter who at the time was probably the spiritual giant of our family. And I said, um, she was right in the middle of her sophomore year of high school. This was in December. I said, okay, I got this over here, $200,000 a year job. We stay right here, whatever. Or over here, we have a $50,000 a year job. And we moved to Mississippi in the middle of nowhere. She said, dad, if the only reason you take that job is for the money, you're never going to be happy. Now, I don't know if that was her wisdom or if it was God's wisdom, but um, because I already knew the answer. I wasn't going to follow the money. So I'm in full-time ministry now, making less money than I've made in 25 years, and I have more money than I've ever had. So it's all a paradox, right? I always mm -hmm. tell everybody that the spiritual life is a paradox. You can think one thing linearly, and that's not it. Right. It's so much more deep, and there's much more to it than just what looks linear. Right. Right. So you, right. So you're back in Florida now. You did your time in Mississippi at that church. And now you're yes. back in Florida and, and now you're ordained and you're the pastor and I love it. And yeah. so what is the most fulfilling part of your life now? Hmm. Well, if I, if I have to pick one, um, I think if I had to pick one, it would be to watch the light bulb go on for somebody like it did for me. Um, my life was radically changed by making a decision to 
um, surrender my life. And so uh, I think, you know, my, or at least I feel like, and I, well, I know it is, my purpose is to tell my story and to, uh, you know, and I, and I tell people this all the time. I, I'm, I'm talking to a young man now and he's telling me things and he's looking at me like I should be shocked. And he goes, you know, you're a pastor. Aren't you shocked by these things I'm telling you? I'm like, you just told my story. Like, so, so I think when, <laughs> when, when I, people tell me these crazy things they've done and I go, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, I've done, I've done that. And they like, wait, you're a, you're a pastor. So I think, um, when, when a family gets put back together, uh, I think that's probably the greatest thing that I experienced. That's, that's greater than any high I ever experienced by any chemical I put in my body. Oh, yes. And, you know, and when you were telling your story earlier and that the, the time period where you, marriage was falling apart and you didn't care at that time, you know, right. and the marriage didn't fall apart. Right. And you are still happily married and your daughters are successful and everybody was able to heal and kind of rally in the situation. The moment mm-hmm. you surrendered and said, yes, the moment you made that decision. Right. And it gave everybody else the space and permission to like find their own way within it all as well. And so if you ever find yourself overthinking or thinking about it too much, like staying in your head and not in your heart. And what do you do to get out of your head and more into your, the spirit part of your life? Like what are some tips? The number one thing people who listen to the show ask me about is past my guesses, how to help with overthinking and, or, or even like that stalling and procrastination because we're thinking so much we, mm-hmm. don't, we don't take the next step. What are some tips you would share with somebody who's listening to you and going, oh my God, he's telling my story or I so can relate to this, but I don't yeah. know how to stop thinking about it and just do it. Uh, well, I think the, you know, the first thing you, you, you have to just, you know, you got to take that step and that it's almost like stepping off a cliff, but, um, and that's why they call it faith. So I, I think the, the, the number one tip I would give you for me, what works for me mm-hmm. is nature. I, I get outside. I, I love outside. I love the beach. I love the mountains. I love to hunt. I love to fish. Um, so for me, when I'm wrestling with something, um, I get my best clarity. I get my best answers when I get out and get away from my phone and the computers and all that sort of stuff. and just. Um, and, and you can laugh about this. So I, I'm able to quiet my mind now. Yes. And, and so uh, it's a beautiful thing. So serenity is, is a, I think, an overused word. But, man, when, you've, when you find it, when you're able to just be, um, then you can make the right decisions. But I, I know for me, I'm, if you're listening to this – I couldn't stop. I couldn't slow down. I was, I was so busy. I was so important. Um, I had too many decisions to make too many people, blah, 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 blah. Just, just, just slow it down. So the going fast and the thinking fast and all of that, that becomes its own addiction. That becomes its own drug that then makes the soul really weary, you know, mm-hmm. and tired. And, it, and so that rest in nature and, learning how to rest even some people need to just learn how to slowly start to rest it's uh it it is a learned behavior for me for sure 
So um, I still like to stay busy, but you know, you're, you're, um, I, I guess I would say people, you, you know, the answer, you know, human beings inherently know what they're supposed to do. So when you say, well, what are some tips for doing the right things, all that sort of stuff, you know what to do. You just got to take that step and know that you're not going to jump off. You're not going to step off a cliff. God's got you and uh, you're going to be okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. It's we have that inner knowingness and we're trained in the society to look outside of ourselves for the answer. Right. And we already know the answer. Right. We may not want to know the answer or may may try to pretend like it's not the answer, but that's where I think our perseverance comes from is Mm -hmm. we know like, just, we know the answer. Right, right. You know, so, and, and I will also tell you this, if God puts something on you and you, you don't follow it, he's going to get your attention and you will eventually follow. So, um, and again, I, I'm more fulfilled now than at, at any point in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy. It's crazy. Every day I'm so grateful to think about here I was, you know, making all this money wearing, you know, $150 ties every day thinking I was whatever. Uh, and to, to now I'm just a family life pastor and, um, making an impact on, on, on eternity. Um, very active in coaching high school football. And, you know, we normally at least have one kid that doesn't have a father or mother or something living at our house. And, uh, you know, I, 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 it's so, it's so fun to focus on not today, but forever that, um, I don't even know what I'm saying. I just, it, it's, I don't know. Ask me another question. Well, it's like everything affects everything and it's, you're not so focused on today and what it looks like, but it's the eternal nature of things where time is eternal and all of the, all of the spiritual things, nature, all of us, it's all eternal. And when you expand out and really appreciate the bigger picture, it's much easier to be in the flow and see where the real impact is. Sure. You're making the real impact now that versus nailing some sales numbers and wearing expensive ties and running around before. Like, great, people mm-hmm. had the supplies they needed, but really, look right. at the difference, right? And that, that, that cycle would repeat every 30 days. Mm-hmm. For, for, for nothing. Right. So that, that's like being one of those slaves. You know, how many bricks can you make? <laughs> yeah, that's right? it. You have right. your well, value is based on the number of bricks that you make in the day. And if you don't make bricks today, you have no value. That's exactly right. And now when you really listen to the inner calling, the value is inherent in all of it, you know, and you've been able to use your, previous training and your athleticism to help coach kids, you know, kids in Mm -hmm. in football in high school now and reach out to people because you've been there, done that. Right. And that life experience, every piece of it works together for the good. It does. It does. You know, I say that all the time. Everything works together for the good, but that doesn't mean it's good. It means it works together for the good. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. There's parts of my story that aren't good, but, it all works together for the good. So. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all have parts of our stories that aren't good, but it works together for the good. If we allow, you know, if we step out of the way and we allow, right? 
That's right. So now a couple little personal questions. Okay. What's the what's the most memorable food that you've ever eaten? And all the travels you've done and all the big things you've done, when you think back of something that's the most memorable that you've had. <clears throat> I think this is I think my life was changed the first time I ate food in New Orleans. So uh, there's a there's a restaurant down in the French Quarter called Mr. B's, mm -hmm. and they have a they have a dish called barbecue shrimp. And I was like, barbecue sauce on shrimp? They're like, no, 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 no. it's not like that. And so um, it's like it's like shrimp in this sauce, and then like they give you this bread, and you just really want to pick the bowl up and suck it down. But really, it's all just butter and blackening and whatever. Anyway. By far the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. Mr. B's barbecue shrimp. Ooh, that sounds really good. Yeah. And the, the, the spices they use in that oh. area. Oh. And, and, oh, yeah. Well, we could go on there. Turtle soup at, at Mandina's in, in New Orleans. Who, turtle soup? Guy from Kentucky? No, I don't think so. They're like, no, you got to try it. So, very good. So sometimes I used to go to New Orleans and I'd have an appetizer here and then I'd go over here to have the next appetizer and then I would go to this restaurant to have the entree or whatever. So New Orleans is, is the, they, they got it going on. Now there was a time in my life when it wasn't good for me to be in New Orleans for other reasons, but food wise, that's where it's at. So that open minded mindedness to try things, Kentucky yeah. boy trying all this stuff. Yep. How do you think that that open-mindedness plays into your ability to answer this call and live the way you're supposed to be living? Has open-mindedness actually affected you? And if so, how? That's, uh, uh, wow. You just took me to, to a totally different train of thought there. But um, I look at, again, being from small town Kentucky, uh, everybody, I, I don't want to say everybody. If I graduated with, 400 kids 390 of them are still there and so um, there's nothing wrong with that I, I just they look at me like how in the world do you have the guts to move here and you've been here and you've seen this and you've done that and so I, I think um, I think that's my sense of adventure uh, you know I, I so of course it has allowed me to follow my call because I'm really, there's really not a whole lot that I'm afraid of anymore. I used to be afraid of a lot of things. I used to be afraid of being found out or being afraid of being caught in this or that or whatever. But, um, so my open mindedness, I, I think, you know, maybe a good counselor somewhere on the way told me that the answer is always yes. And that um, then you've walked down that road to figure out what that means or how that looks. Um, so I, I, that's kind of my thing is somebody will come to me and ask me a question. I always go, well, the answer is yes, but now let's figure out what that looks like and what that really means. So I don't know. Maybe I got that from you. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Pretty sure I did. Yeah, somewhere along the line. And, and it works. Because the universe will always tell us exactly what it's supposed to look like in timing and how it's supposed to be. But if we don't open the door with a yes and the door stays closed, we never get to see those opportunities or possibilities. There you go. It was you. I knew it was. I just didn't know. I just didn't. I just didn't know how we got there. Yeah. Because I think we, I think we had that conversation 
one day when we were talking about it and you said, I really have this call to be a pastor and you're still in the sales thing. Yeah. And you're like, what do I have? And I go, well, well, you say yes to being a pastor, of course. And when you said that that was the calling on your life the first time you had that tone in your voice, like you weren't really sure what I was going to say back or like what kind of feedback you were going to hear or like it was the beginning of you saying it out loud more and more, you know? Right. And I'm like, do it. Go. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. That's when I gave you that book, um, Leave Your Nets. Yes. And um, it's okay. And you're, you're going to be taken care of. And now look, many years later, you're touching lives that um, are truly blessed for your presence in them. And because you said yes. Thank you. I learned that from you too. So, yeah. So it's funny that, I, you know, I'd never thought about where I learned that. But people will always go, you always say the answer is yes. And now I know, now I know. So yeah. see, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I remember that conversation. Like, you know, it was yesterday and of course there's many years gone by, but I remember us talking about it Yeah. and going, you know, I'm like, yes, do it. Cause I so totally could see it for you when you said it, it wasn't like, Oh, I have this, this dream in my heart. And it was like some weird thing. I'm like, what is he talking about? I totally got it. And, um, and I'm glad you said yes, and I'm glad you're still walking on that path, and all of the people that you're working with are glad too, right? The, um, it's funny because now that I'm thinking about it, I had that same conversation with someone who I, I guess I, I considered a mentor at the time, and I said, you know, I, I, you know, I have this, who, who was, he was a minister, and uh, I said, I have this dream of, and this is what I want to do, and he goes, he looked at me like, you can't do that. Like that is, I can't remember what the words he used were. Basically he said that was selfish and self-serving for me to think that I could ever do that to become a minister and be a lead pastor of a church and do all the things that, you know, I've already done. We're just, we're just getting started. So, um, it, it was, it was so nice because I was almost like, I'm going to drop a little bit of this and see if she stomps on it or, you know, if she smacks my hand or um, whatever. And when, when you said it's no, do it. It's okay. Um, I think that's what I want to hear. That's what I want people to hear from me today is whatever it is. There, don't there's, I could give you a million excuses. Don't let anybody ever tell you you can't do anything because you can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very mighty message. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're getting ready to make some big expansions in your ministry. Are you comfortable sharing a little bit about the things that are on the, on the horizon? Or is that another episode? Well, I mean, maybe we could talk about it it later in detail, but um, I just, man, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, Right now I'm a family life pastor here. I oversee the youth ministry here and the children's ministry. And I have, um, a team of people that I work with to do that. Um, but you know, Diane, you know, I'm a taskmaster, And so, um, I come in and I've I fixed something and then, okay, what's next. So, um, we we're looking, we have an opportunity right now. Um, we have a, uh, I can't tell a lot of details, but there's, there's some land here that, um, a family is willing to let be used to put in, a recovery center, a, a, a Christ-based recovery center that will be a ministry of our church. 
And um, so they had a son that came through addiction program. And so we're going to use this model, which again is a Christ centered model. And so I've got an opportunity to the way that that, that ministry is financed is you do that through building businesses, whether you, um, you know, let's say, for example, we're looking at having a wedding venue as one of our sources of income, um, menu, you know, um, having a plant nursery. There are lots of things we're looking at probably going to manufacture something. So the program is going to be free for the people that use it, but we have to finance that ministry somewhere. So I get to use, I get to use my business um, experience. And so um, we'll be looking at businesses and negotiating contracts with people. Maybe we're going to make something, some widget for somebody, but then I also get to watch families, which is a big part of this program. Um, come into this program and be put back together and um, just to see. So it's like, it's like everything I've ever dreamed of. So, and God's brought these people around and um, again, people saying, Oh, that'll never happen. You'll never talk to him into doing this. Um, There's too many reasons why or whatever. And I just, I have no room in my life for all the reasons why you can't do something. I learned at an early age. um, What am I? My grandmother used to say, or maybe it was my mom, can't never did anything. So um, don't listen to the can'ts in your life. Right. And the value in you persevering through all of this stuff, and we we just highlighted it, right? Mm-hmm. And bringing with you to this future venture, venture that's starting up, all of your skill set from before, had you not done all the sales and not moved all around and not learned all these things, and not become a really good negotiator and not almost lost your family to be able to really appreciate your family on a deeper level. It didn't say yes along the way. Then you would not be poised into this position to do even greater work. Right. And, and I, and I personally think that's kind of like what we're all here for is to take all of our experience, whatever it is, and know that as we keep going forward, it's going to come out into something that's like melting pot of, all of our skill set coming together. That's right. And so the other thing I've learned is, is that um, anytime you, that I try to get involved and I try to exert my will on anything, that's not the way it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. So um, it's this, this, this whole journey has been it, it taught me patience, but even in this, this time right now where I'm waiting on all the I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed, I'm okay. Because I'm, I'm allowing God to be in charge and, uh, and um, I'm not trying to push my own agenda. So um, another, somebody, somebody may have taught me something else about, uh, I, I remember, I tell the story all the time about having to resign as the general manager of the entire universe. Because yes. I thought that I was, I, I mean, I really thought I was that important. Even though I didn't, I did. I thought I really thought that I was that big of a deal. And so um, don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, and um, your life becomes so much simpler when you just walk and say, yes, say, yes, mm-hmm. it's going to be my new word now. Say, yes, just say yes. yes. Absolutely. So I've covered a lot of bases and asked you a ton of questions. And so before we end the show, okay. is there anything that, you have on your heart that you would like to share that maybe I didn't ask you about or something that's just there that you 
you know, so that when we're done, you feel like I'm complete. Um, I, I think the, 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 the only thing I will, that I want to follow up with is, is to say this, that, um, if you're, if you're struggling with the concept or the idea of God that believe that I believe I've heard this before, but, um, I don't know. I just feel strongly about saying that, that, um, we, we could go in, I, you know, you've heard the whole story of my life, but I could tell you things about my story that you would not believe about the ways that God has intervened and the way that God has stepped into my, to my life and saved me and, and, and put me in the right direction. So, um, just be encouraged. I think Diane's going to give contact information. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd love to hear from you. If you, uh, if you want to contact me, if you got a question, Hey, how'd you do this? Or how'd you do that? How'd you navigate that? That's what I'm here for is, uh, is, is to help others to either not have to go through what I went through or to help them navigate that if they find themselves in that situation. So I think that's it. So you've been listening to one of my longtime friends, Andy Blair, who we've walked a lot of the road together um, Mm -hmm. through the, out of that slavery world into his own freedom in so many ways. So if you really love what he's been saying, all of his contact information and his bio will be in the show notes contact him. He just invited you to. So if you have a question or you just want to hear more of his wisdom or there's anything that you would like to speak about with him, one thing I know about Andy for sure is he's going to say yes. That's right. Just say yes. Just say yes. And you will, if you feel like, oh man, I should contact him, do it. Even if you don't know what you're going to say, because you'll know when the time comes. So follow those urges all of those little nudges from the world and you'll see they take you to great places. So Andy, thank you so much for being on the show today and taking your time out. And as this next part of your ministry um, evolves, we'll have to come back on the show and, oh, absolutely. and talk more about it, you know, because it's really, really exciting. I'm so excited for you and I'm so glad you've been saying yes. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And, uh, you just, uh, you're awesome. So I love you and uh, I'll see you soon. Cool. Thank you so much. So remember, everybody, keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and let your light shine and use this episode and all the Someone Get Me Gets Me episodes for your betterment, your health, and most importantly, hope. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.